People in the neighbourhood started talking negative about us as we were open about our conversion, said Sozan. One day I was out with my sister, Aria. A group of men came to hurt us, to persecute us. We were afraid of being killed, both of us. But then Jesus appeared to me. He said to me, don't be afraid. Then the people all of a sudden disappeared. They even apologised. That can only be God's work. I can say life for us was like hell before we came to Jesus. We were like living in a forest full of monsters. I would like you also to pray that we will come out of this swamp of persecution. Jesus has done a lot of miracles for us. We can't thank and worship him enough for that. At the World Day of Prayer, I heard this story from a Taiwanese pastor who's recently been in Taiwan. He talked about a little mountain church of indigenous Taiwanese people. They have recently had a strong movement of the Holy Spirit amongst them. So one Sunday he decided to visit them. When he got there, there was only one man in the church building, the caretaker. He asked where the others were. The man told him that the whole of the rest of the congregation had gone on a mission trip to China. They had been praying that God would save them from war with China. God's spirit told them that only by the hand of Jesus could the war be turned back. The spirit said that Chinese Christians and Taiwanese Christians needed to pray together for peace between their countries so that the hand of God would move. So the entire congregation, who were not rich people, had raised the money for a trip to China. Even though they were poor and insignificant, they knew that God saw their situation and he would move if they were obedient to him. A third story. We were down river from Chungrabu on Christmas Day. This is me and a couple of others. When the outboard motor broke down, as so often happened, and refused to start. The driver tinkered. We prayed. It still didn't start. We'd been on the way to have Christmas dinner with some other missionaries, only a couple of hours downstream by boat, if the motor was working. We were just under halfway there. The driver eventually said, we're going to have to walk home. So we weren't near any villages, and I hadn't a clue which way it would be to the nearest track through the bush. But the driver's bush skills told him which way to go, and we set off. I felt a bit glum. My Christmas dinner was in the other direction and I knew there were a couple of hours of walking ahead of me through muddy jungle, not even on a track. And suddenly one of the other women who was on the boat with me, a visitor from Australia, started singing, Rejoice in the Lord always. Good point. (laughs) Good point. God was watching over us. We were safe. Somebody was leading us through this unknown jungle and it was still the day to celebrate the coming of Christ and we might get our Christmas dinner tomorrow. He's the God who sees us in all our trials, big and small, of all different kinds. That's what today's story of the slave girl Hagar shows us. Sarai, Abram's wife, couldn't get pregnant even though God had promised Abram that he would be the father of a nation. 
They'd been waiting a long time for a baby. Sarai got tired of waiting for God to act and decided that she could do something about fulfilling the promise herself. She did something that at that time was perfectly legal and culturally acceptable. She sent her slave girl, Hagar, to sleep with Abram so that she would get pregnant. The law allowed that, sorry, the law allowed that the resulting child would be adopted by Sarai and would be considered to be her own child. The first part of her plan worked well. Hagar slept with Abram and became pregnant. But where presumably Hagar had previously maintained a proper slave-mistress relationship, she now became arrogant. She was pregnant and Sarai was not. Hagar was proud. She thought she was important in her little world. When we get ahead of God, we often make difficulties for ourselves. Sarai's refusal to wait for God, her determination to get what she wanted by her own efforts, led to trouble, as our efforts to be the ruler of our own lives often leads to trouble for us. And when these difficulties arise, we often do what Sarai did. We forget that this was our own idea, and we find someone else to blame. Sarai blamed Abram, even though the whole idea had been hers. But Abram, too, didn't act like a strong man of faith. First, He weakly consented to sleep with Hagar instead of holding on to God's promise that he and Sarai would have a child. Then when trouble came out of this, he again weakly refused to get involved. She's your slave, he said. Do with her what you want. And so Sarai abused Hagar to the point where she ran away. Sarai was trying to regain control of her own little world by her own efforts. So now Hagar tries to seize back control of her own life by running away. And she ran as far as a spring in the desert. And something totally unexpected happened. An angel of the Lord spoke to her. She was a slave girl, an Egyptian, running away from abuse that had started with her own wrong behaviour. She probably had no idea where she could go next. She was in desert country. I doubt if she expected to meet an angel. But the angel of the Lord spoke to her. Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel said, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Perhaps Sarai knew of God's promise to Abraham, but maybe she didn't. Perhaps she knew about Abraham's God, or maybe she didn't. But here now, the angel of the God of Abraham was giving her a promise of her own. But he was also instructing her to change her behaviour. Go back. Submit. Realise that God has a plan for you and your child, but you need to stop running your own life or trying to do so. God's way of setting us right and giving hope to our future always involves us turning. 
It involves us giving up our right to self-determination, to controlling our own lives. In Hagar's case, she was to turn back to submit, to be obedient to her mistress, Sarai. In our case, God requires that we turn away from the sin in our, in our lives. We turn away from our pride and our self-will, and we turn to God's way. God gives us many promises in the New Testament, like this one in Acts 2, verse 36. He says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning toward God. And our obedience in that leads to the blessing of God himself moving in to our lives. In Hagar's story, Hagar's son became the very first person in the Bible to be named by God while he was still in the womb. He was called Ishmael, which means God hears, because God heard her cry of distress. And the angel of the Lord told her what kind of person her child was going to be, a wild man, untamed like a wild donkey. Something to look forward to, right? (laughs) And a man whose fist was raised against everyone, including his relatives, and they would retaliate again against him. An interesting prophecy, and it's one that has been proved true for generations of Middle Eastern people. Ishmael's descendants and Isaac's descendants are still fighting one another to this very day. Hagar believed that the angel of the Lord who appeared to her was really God himself. And she responded to God by naming him the God who sees me. And then she said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? God saw her and she saw God. Two things that filled her with amazement. She wasn't some great leader. She was a slave at the very bottom of the social ladder. Not even her her own person. She was the possession of other people. She wasn't male. And women had absolutely no status in that society. But God saw her. And this is our God. He's the one who sees me, who sees every one of us, wherever we're at, whatever our need. You don't have to be a church leader. God sees you, even when no one else does. Perhaps you might feel invisible even in church. But God sees you. You don't need to be doing something that appears to be an important contribution to society. God sees you. You may be living a life with no reference to God at all. You may be very old or you might be still just a child. But God sees you. Wherever you are, sorry, whether you're male or female, God sees you. You may not feel valued by other people, but God sees you. And God revealed to this woman in the naming of her son Ishmael, God hears that he not only saw her, but he heard her cries. We don't even know if her cries were directed at God, but he heard her anyway. He doesn't just see us, he hears us. And Jesus himself told us, look at the ravens, 
They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. God sees us and he hears us. But sometimes, like Abram and Sarai, he makes us wait for the answers to our prayers. And sometimes, like Hagar, he reveals himself to us when we get to our most desperate times. Probably because that's the time we're most willing to listen to him. For us today, God isn't the remote and almost unknown being that he was to Hagar before she met him at the spring. We know already that God loves us because we have seen him hanging on a cross, dying for us and rising again so that we can have new life. Jesus told us that everyone who has seen him has seen the Father. We don't have to wonder what God is like. We have the Bible in our hands and we can read about him. We can see him. We can hear his words to us. And we can pray to him every day. But do we? Have you ever wondered why the church in the West is mostly stationary, not growing, and not making very much impact in our society? Have you wondered why it's hard for us to stand up for our faith? Could it be because we're not really praying? I've been reading a book recently called Miraculous Movements and it describes thousands of Muslims and Satan worshippers turning to follow Jesus. The man who wrote the book says, A huge spiritual battle is raging and the heroes and heroines of the battle are tenacious warriors in prayer. These anonymous men and women have the passion and faith to pray without ceasing for impossible things, to stay up half the night or even all night in fervent prayer. Where many people are praying and fasting much, the God of the impossible is bringing about the salvation of thousands. How long is it since you spent half a night in prayer? You can ask me the same question. It's been a long time. How long is it since you spent the whole night praying? We hardly ever do that sort of thing, do we? And that's why we're weak. But God sees us and God hears us and God sees the lost people that we love and the ones that we want to find the gift of salvation through Jesus. How fervent are our prayers for these people? I confess to you that I've got a lot to learn about fervent prayer. How about you? Right now, in this month of Ramadan, are you praying for Muslim people who are themselves praying and fasting every day and to try to seek God? Are you praying that they will find the one true God? Are you praying for your lost neighbours and for your children? Are you praying daily with your children? Are you praying for our politicians and media people who continually mock God? Pray that the God who sees them will be seen by them and that they will come to their knees in repentance. And as you pray for what seems like impossible things, are you actually expecting to see this powerful God of ours working? Breaking down the barriers, opening the eyes of the spiritually blind? Are we praying for our children and our youth? that they will see and hear God and be strengthened to joyfully follow God 
in a world where God is not valued? Did you know that every morning, from Monday to Friday, the prayer chapel is open at 6.30 till 7am? Come and pray with other Christians. You won't find that the crowd is too big for you to fit in. Last time I went there, there was one, two, counting me. But it's happening, and it's available for us whenever we want to. Before our Sunday services from nine, about sometimes slightly after nine, the prayer chapel is open for you to pray for our services and for kids on Sunday and for any other things that the Lord lays on your heart. Every week in Northern News we have suggestions for prayer for you. We've heard some this morning. We need to be praying for our fellow Christians, for our elders, for our ministers, for the migrants and the refugees in our cities, for the homeless and the hungry. The list goes on, doesn't it? There's no end to the number of things we could pray about. As Hagar discovered, we have a God who sees us and he sees every individual on earth and he loves them. And we have a God who hears us when we cry to him. Do you want to see God moving powerfully in this church, in your family, in Toowoomba? Then we need to be crying out to him. Not just once every couple of weeks, not just in Sunday in church in the morning, often. Let's spend now a few moments in prayer. And I want each of you individually to talk to God quietly And I want you to bring to him your most impossible prayer. Think about that. What is the thing that you would love to see that seems impossible? Bring it to God and pray for it right now. And not just right now, but when you get out of here, keep praying for it. And trust him, the God of the impossible, for the answer. Let's have a few quiet moments. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful promise? So let's not give up on praying. Let's not be half-hearted in praying. Let's be a church of prayer. And let's see what God does because of that prayer. He will honour us and our prayers as we ask him for things that seem impossible. Remember what he has said to so many in the Bible, is anything too hard 
for the Lord? God himself said that. We know it's true. So let's not hesitate to ask him for things that seem too big, too hard. Let's go ahead and ask anyway and see what God does. Let's sing our closing song, which